Every family has an origin story, one passed down through the generations. Mine happens to be a mystery involving my great-great-grandmother left behind in Sicily. I'm Joe Piazza, and my new podcast will transport you to the gorgeous island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a whodunit for the ages. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. In the 90s, New York detective Louis Scarcella locked up the worst criminals. Putting bad guys away. There's no feeling like it. Then jailhouse lawyers took aim, led by Derek Hamilton. Scarcella took me to the precinct and lied. 20 men eventually walked free. Now, in the Burden podcast, after a decade of silence, Louis Scarcella finally tells his story. And so does Derek Hamilton. Listen to The Burden on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I get a phone call from one of the models. She's a big Brazilian supermodel. And it's like, oh, hello, it's me. I'm like, what's going on? Are you okay? And she's like, I'm here at the airport. And I said, okay, there should be a driver for you. And she's like, no, I'm here with the driver. I said, okay, great. She's like, yeah, the driver doesn't have a car. Welcome to A Way to Go, a production of iHeartRadio and Fathom. I'm Geraldine Gerba. And I'm Pavia Rosati. Our guest today is Stephen Dam, a senior producer at Art & Commerce, a global agency that represents directors, photographers, stylists, and hair and makeup artists. He travels all over the world for his job, working behind the scenes for the top fashion houses at Paris and Milan Fashion Weeks, for famous musicians at Fashion Rocks, and A-list celebrities at the Met Gala. But he's not just the anonymous hand model on the cover of Italian Vogue with Giselle, or the guy in the tux carrying Lady Gaga's 25-foot train through the Met Gala. He also orchestrates the make it appear out of nowhere and money is no object demands all over the world, all hours of the day and night. Thanks so much for joining us, Stephen. Hi, thanks for having me. So you literally travel for a living making the images that we all see that make us go, oh my gosh, I want to be there and I want to be that person now. Uh, I'd love it if you could start by telling us a little bit about a particular travel story or maybe just a few of the anecdotes that go into these crazy behind-the-scenes escapades. I think a lot of people think I have a really glamorous life and that I travel and it's fun and luxurious, but most of it is work. I mean, the, the, the key word is work. A lot of times I travel and I don't even see a place that I've been to. So I'll spend a week in a hotel room locked up without a window. And I post one Instagram <laughs> picture of like a beautiful thing. And everyone's like, oh, Steven's like somewhere tropical today. So glamorous. <laughs> it so looks glamorous. so good. But I'm like sitting somewhere crying. <laughs> like I remember, this was a while ago, um, in my previous job, I was a fashion producer for fashion shows. And I would work on the Louis Vuitton show. And I would go to Paris for two weeks, you know, twice a year. And I would be sitting in the Louvre and they would close it down and I would be there for a week in our you know, workshop and we would rehearse these fashion shows and do lighting tests. And it was so beautiful, but I was there from like five o'clock in the morning until two o'clock in the morning. I'd go home for three hours, sleep, wake up in the morning, call my mom crying <laughs> and go straight back to work. And I never saw anything. And Did you even see the Mona Lisa? No. Yeah. For a long time, I actually hated Paris because it just reminded me so much of work. <laughs> and I actually had to go or I went back on a personal vacation and I actually went to just kind of like 
clear myself. It was almost like I needed a cleansing. Yeah, it was like a saging. Yes. Yeah, smudging. <laughs> yeah. And I still, I, I don't actually go to Paris that much anymore. I still have like those kinds of weird tension of like, I like being here, but everything reminds me of work. Yeah. You know. Can you tell us a little bit about what makes up the work that you do? What comprises a trip? Yeah. So normally when I get a job, um, I'm like a creative executor. So I, I'm a producer. I execute the creative brief of a photographer or a creative director or a client. And that involves everything from booking travel, coordination, making call sheets, making sure everything's going well on set, taking care of catering, hotels, you know, even down to like the pins and making sure everything that is there for the stylist, hair and makeup, photographer, um, it's all of the nuances that are involved in like a really high-end luxury photo shoot. Mm-hmm. What does your tr- go bag, your travel bag look like? I'm thinking of Veep and Selena's assistant who carries the briefcase who has everything she could possibly need. Yes. And so- when you said pins, <laughs> I'm like, I want to see this. We this- have a travel kit. We call it a kit. And it's like sometimes three to six suitcases. It has everything. Um, wet wipes. Wet safety wipes. Safety pins. Yes. Condoms. The whole thing. And this is maybe a trade secret, but it has the number one thing is always like a diptyque candle or something really oh, nice. Oh, transform those the, are the space. Yes, exactly. And those are the things that you can't find sometimes in like you know, a, a really remote space, and people always want a nice candle. And a corkscrew. <laughs> and a corkscrew. Got to yes. have a corkscrew. <laughs> yes, also true. Um, so, yeah, we travel with everything. I think the thing about New York is that we're so spoiled, and we have access to anything you need at all hours of the day. And when you're going to a jungle in Hawaii, or when you're going even to somewhere like Tokyo or South Africa or even Brazil, you don't have access to those things, even between nine and five. Stephen, right, is there right. anything you learned the hard way of, uh-oh, I can't believe we don't have blank? I think some like really simple things. We, I did, a, I did a job in Brazil for Fashion Rocks Rio, and we were sending lists of like, these are what we need, and there's always like uh, lost in translation kind of, you know, things that are either hard or they don't understand, and so you send pictures and people say, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, yeah, we've got that. Or, you know, you go to St. Bars and they say, yeah, we've got that. And you need these 50 velvet hangers, mm. black velvet hangers. And they say, yeah, yeah, we've got it. We're great. You show up and there's like three old raggedy plastic hangers from Kmart. <laughs> it's not the right number. It's not the right, you know, texture. And the people that we work with, you know, they're very specific about everything that they work with. Right. So sometimes those things just they don't come through and you have to make the best of it and you kind of have to laugh. But it does suck because people look at me expecting to have all of those things and they think I haven't figured it out. Right. Um, I'm sure nobody who you work with is a diva or about anything. <laughs> I'm sure everybody no, is super easygoing and zen. No divas, just interesting personalities, big yeah. characters. So you were saying uh, that you execute the creative vision that a photographer or that a creative will have. Yes. Does that mean that you get a brief that says, for instance, I want a colonial city near a white beach, and then you have to figure out... Do we do this in Cartagena? Do we do this in Mexico? Or does somebody say, we want to film in St. Lucia and we want it to look like this? It can be both. Okay. Sometimes people will say, I really want uh, you know, sand dunes and I don't want to go to the Hamptons. Find that for me in this time of the year and I want beautiful weather. 
And mm. so you just kind of look for various options and you price them out. You see how much is it going to cost for everyone to get there and do these look really nice and you're kind of scouting the world or you're getting pictures sent to you from various options. Sometimes people just say, I want to go to St. Lucia. Let's figure right. it out. Right. And then how far in advance do you arrive at the location to make sure everything has matched up to what your client is anticipating? In an ideal world, I would want to arrive a couple days before, but mm -hmm. realistically with budgets now, it's maybe a day before, and you're, you know, a day or two, you're meeting with someone who's local, who's kind of on the ground, like a fixer. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, you get there just early enough to settle into your hotel, set up whatever you need to set up, and then meet them the next day at the airport. And you have to act as if you've been living there for the past two weeks, right, you and have you have, have to, to know everything. Answers this to every question. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Like, we're going to take good care of you. It's yes. all set. And the number one is always like, oh, where do you like to eat? Or like, what's the weather going to be like tomorrow? And it's like, I, I have no idea. I just <laughs> got here. I use the same apps you use. I'm like figuring this out. I'm kind of like faking until I make it. But yeah, you just have to be confident and reassured and just hope for the best. Do you have an example of a great coup when you landed somewhere and, and somebody asked you for something and you're like, I know the answer. And they really, really made it seem like you knew what you were talking about. For me, the coups are when travel goes perfectly, when cars arrive at the right time, when flights aren't delayed or if they are delayed, but you've made alternate arrangements. Those are the things that I don't think people recognize mm -hmm. and that they don't kind of acknowledge. But those are the things that make me feel super relieved and make everything seem a lot more um, smooth and seamless. Right. You want someone to be like, how is your trip? Oh, it's fine. Totally it uneventful. Easy. Yes. Great. Even though you know that you are maybe like... You know, a lot of times people will miss flights or you're having to make backup flights or other arrangements or you have to, you know, we have a lot of clients and they fly private jet, but the, you know, equipment and luggage is too heavy. So that has to go on a ferry and then onto a regional flight. And you have to coordinate these two separate kind of streams that arrive around the same time or kind of make it seem seamless. And that is often like those to me are the big coups, but those are not the ones that people acknowledge. I think right. the other thing is, is like sometimes it's really simple. It's about, you know, you do put a, a diptyque candle in someone's hotel room and they say, oh, I love that scent. That's so nice. Mm. <laughs> it's something so simple. But right. um, those to me are like, those are the strangely the biggest things for me. Do you have the Delta CEO on speed dial? <laughs> we sadly, no. We have no, we have no help. Should we with, see if we can't get you? <laughs> I would, the Delta I CEO would love speed dial? if anyone out there is, knows anyone from Delta, we would love that. <laughs> Please hold the plane. <laughs> yes. The model overslept. The she amount, has yes. to get to the island. The amount of times people show up and they, you know, oh, I forgot my passport. Mm. Or, you know, there are things that like not even of our doing or not, in, not even of the airlines doing. And you're constantly trying to figure that out. Oh, sure, because told, you have to fix it. It's always as soon as someone leaves their house on a travel job, everything of that is yours. So I lost right. my purse or my shoe ripped and I need new shoes and or I, I came to this location and we're shooting outside in Alaska and I've, I didn't bring boots. I only brought open-toed shoes. Mm. And that is somehow Your problem. our responsibility. But yeah, I mean, it's those are like easy enough things to fix, although they, they can be eye-rolling at times. But Oh my goodness. I don't know how you would keep your patience. I'd be like, you whiny <laughs> dum-dum. Yeah, you should not be doing that. I, that would be a bad joke. <laughs> I can handle the making all the arrangements because I'm a very I'm Virgo. I'm super precise. But as soon as somebody was just that incompetent, all right, I'm just going to hold my tongue <laughs> you know, now sometimes and admire I think, your patience. No, I often think like, man, there are times where I think this is the craziest or most annoying job. And then I think I could work at Starbucks and there are 60 people 
every 10 minutes screaming at you <laughs> saying, you got this wrong, you got that wrong. And I don't know, like I at the end of the day, I still eat amazing, luxurious catering. I still get to go to these insane hotels that I would never be able to afford. I'm traveling with people that are not of my world. And yeah, I get to like experience all these things that I just, I as a little Canadian guy, I just never expected in my life. I never thought I'd take my three young kids to Sicily to solve a century-old mystery, but that's what I'm doing in my new podcast, The Sicilian Inheritance. Join us as we travel thousands of miles on the beautiful and crazy island of Sicily, as I trace my roots back through a mystery for the ages and untangle clues within my family's origin story, which has morphed like a game of telephone through the generations. Was our family matriarch killed in a land deal gone wrong? Or was it by the Sicilian Mafia? A lover's quarrel? Or was she, as my father believed, a witch? Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. In the 1980s and 90s, New York City needed a tough cop like Detective Louis Scarcella putting bad guys away. There's no feeling like it in the world. He was the guy who made sure the worst killers were brought to justice. That's one version. This guy is a piece of shit. Derek Hamilton was put away from murder by Detective Scarcella. In prison, Derek turned himself into the best jailhouse lawyer of his generation. And love was my girlfriend. This is my only way to freedom. Derek and other convicted murderers started a law firm behind bars. We never knew we had the same cop in the case. Scarcella. We got to show that he's a corrupt cop. They can go f*** themselves. I'm Steve Fishman. And I'm Dax Devlin-Ross. And this is The Burden. Listen to new episodes of The Burden on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And to hear episodes one week early and ad-free with exclusive bonus content, subscribe to True Crime Clubhouse on Apple Podcasts. How did you go from the little Canadian guy to, you know, eating the gourmet food on the beaches with the top fashion designers yeah. who's then, you know, filling the vogues that we look through <laughs> and drool over? Um, it's all about right place, right time. I lived in I lived in Canada. I actually didn't study fashion or photography, um, but I loved America's Next Top Model. And I had a friend oh who lived in New York who worked at a modeling agency. So there was a position open and he said, I think you would be good at this, even though I've never done it before. He just had this strange faith in me. I moved here on a whim for that job. Three weeks later, the whole modeling agency goes bankrupt. Sorry, what was that job that he thought you'd be good at? Uh, I was basically a glorified intern slash assistant for a model booking company. Mm -hmm. And I did everything. I swept the floors, threw out garbage, made model cards arranged photo shoots. I kind of had to figure it all out. Mm. And I think maybe I look, well, I definitely look younger than I am. And I think I'm just like a resourceful, smart person. And I think that was it. It was like, I didn't know how to do something, but I could figure it out. And very quickly, I figured out, I don't know, I did well at this modeling agency for the three weeks that I was there. I ended up 
everyone got fired. It, <laughs> it went bankrupt. Everyone ended up getting laid off. And I said, you know what? I'm in New York. I'm going to spend a nice weekend. The following Monday, an old boss of mine, uh, who's also a really good friend and kind of a career mentor, her name is Michelle Lee. She was a casting director. She worked at KCD, which is a PR firm. She was working at Marc Jacobs, and she got my phone number somehow and said, our intern hasn't shown up. Show up. Are you interested? And I said, you know what? When am I ever going to go see the Marc Jacobs show or even work yeah. there? So sure, I'll do it for the day. A day turns into two days, turns into a week. And then all of a sudden, now I'm working with her. And it again, right place, right time, and also just kind of fake it till you make it. Yeah. I didn't know what any of this meant. I didn't even know there were casting directors for fashion shows. I did collection coordination, which I didn't know what that meant, but that meant hanging all the clothing in the right order so that when models get to their rack, they know what to wear and they will know what to change into. I didn't realize that was a, a thing or a job, but I am also like super A-type. I mm. I pack like that. I I'm I'm a checklist maker. I, I arrange birthday parties, dinner parties. So for me, it all just made sense. It was like, this is common sense for me. And I realized very quickly that it wasn't common sense for people around me. Yeah. And so that kind of just led me down this path of like fashion producer is what I call myself. So can you tell us some of the locations where you've ended up as a fashion producer? Where have you done this? I've definitely been able to visit a lot of like amazing places. When I worked at this fashion PR firm, I did London, Milan and Paris twice, three times a season. It mm. was a regular thing. It was almost just commuting to work, except work was Milan. Yeah. Um, I've been to Brazil, Hawaii, Las Vegas, LA, Texas, all sorts, like random places, Savannah, a lot, a lot of places in America, Russia, Tokyo, a lot of places in the Caribbean, St. Lucia, St. Barts, Mystique, um, places I would never have visited before, Palm Springs. Places you'll never go again. <laughs> Some places I've, I've really loved and I've had to go back and visit on my own time. Mm. And some places I will never see. Like Mystique, I don't own a private place there. I don't have access to a private jet. But for that moment, it's a pretty cool thing to do. And you yeah. get to pretend that you did. You get to pretend you did, although the entire time you're working, you have moments where you are like, this is amazing. And then you just kind of flip back into it where you're like, oh, no, I'm working again. And I'm. Yes, but when you whitewash it a year later and you're at a dinner <laughs> yes. party, and you're like, well, it was like that time I was in Mystique. Oh, yeah. I, I do that all the time. And, and my friends hate it. <laughs> and also on Instagram, you get one nice Instagram post and it just makes it look so much more luxurious. Everyone's like, go to work. Steven. Yeah. I mean, even like, for example, here, I shoot all the time at like really luxurious hotels in New York, like the Plaza or the Mark, you know. But what's funny is I always enter through the like basement service, service door. Entrance. So I actually, you know, or I know these hotels in like inside and out. I go to like really nice hotels, the Four Seasons hotels. But I know every service corridor. I know every kind of hidden entrance way. I know every like staff person. So it's this funny thing where if I ever go back, I know maybe some people in the right place, like maybe a concierge might remember me and that might be helpful, even if it's just like a nice meal or access to a certain room. But it's also funny because I have such a different experience. I'm not really getting the true luxurious experience. I feel like I'm seeing the the dark side as well. Well, you're Mr. Behind the Scenes and you know how the sausage is made, right? It's you... definitely behind the scenes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. What's the story that you tell at a dinner party about some crazy thing that you had to do or wrangle at the last minute in some crazy middle of the desert place? So a lot of the stories I tell are actually horror stories because I think those are the things that my friends enjoy most. <laughs> some of the things that are funny and I think are funny are like they say, we want puppies on set to play with tomorrow. So we'll get a room full of puppies and we'll do a casting. So it's like, oh, do you want baby huskies or do we want, you know, like little pugs? And 
that I, I think my friends often think is like really funny because it seems like this weird celebrity legend, but it does happen. Mm -hmm. We've definitely Where did done you that. have to do that? <laughs> We've done that mainly here in New York or okay. in LA, places that have access to. Do you have like puppies on call? Oh, we do. I have it on, I have it on speed, speed dial. dial. Yeah. <laughs> I have a doctor like and an, I have a puppy place like on an speed animal, dial. A little black book of like yes. all the animals you might need yes. at a moment's notice. Animals is like the number one thing that people want on demand. And strangely, in a place like New York, it's pretty easy to get. When you go somewhere where remote, it's a lot harder. Oh, yeah. Bring me that giraffe. Yeah, exactly. You're like, you're but, in Alaska. No. But sometimes that's where, you know, I think of like a hotel concierge, and they do exactly the same job that I do, but in that place. Right. And so we become very close friends. Right. And I kind of, I sympathize for them, and they sympathize for me. And so we have this unspoken language of like, we're going to work together, and we're going to figure this out. Mm -hmm. But I've also had a lot of horror stories. You know, sometimes I've had a celebrity has asked before, before I get on the plane, I want to see the fabric of the of the chair that I'm going to sit in. And I say, I rest assured it's first class. It's this. And we say, no, we want to see pictures of the fabric. Okay. We'll try to get that for you. Or... Why? Why? <laughs> is there ever any reason or is it... I have no idea what the reason is. Oh. I never I never think to even ask those things. I just try to think like, let me figure this out, check it off my list and move on. Because mm -hmm. for me, if I get it stuck on the why, I, you know, I'd be here five years later. <laughs> um, and then sometimes, you know, there are really simple things... Again, we did a shoot in Brazil, and we had a pretty specific talent rider. We need a bulletproof black SUV to pick up the celebrity. And what shows up is a gray Toyota Corolla. Did the talent get in the car, or did the talent say, I'm not getting in that car? I think she ended up getting in the car, because okay. I think they couldn't find a bulletproof car in time. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. And yeah, she they, she they were strangely like, pretty cool about it, but... It's one of those things where you, you check 10 times and they say, yes, of course, of course. And it's kind of a little bit that island time thing where they say, oh, don't worry about it. Don't worry mm. about it. And then all of a sudden you, you stop worrying and then it's your nightmare, which is it doesn't happen. <laughs> Another time we were flying in all of these models for a shoot and I get a phone call from one of the models. She's a big Brazilian supermodel. And I'm like, who's this person calling me? And it's like, oh, hello, it's me. Um, I'm like what's going on? Are you okay? And she's like, I'm here at the airport. And I said, okay, there should be a driver for you. And she's like, no, I'm here with the driver. And I said, okay, great. She's like, yeah, the driver doesn't have a car. What? <laughs> he showed up at the airport, but he thinks that I have a car or that a car will be rented. What? So I'm just here with this driver. Oh, no. So I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, just get in a taxi. We'll reimburse you. We'll figure it out. You know, and I think people are accustomed to like black town cars and, and nice car service here. And I think after you've traveled 16 hours, you're like, whatever, I'll take a taxi. It's almost kind of funny. And luckily, people are, they are, for the most part, like pretty forgiving or they, they can find the comedy in it. So she gets in this taxi with this guy and they end up driving back. And then midway down the highway, they have to pull over. The driver is sitting beside her. He's like, tells the other driver to pull over. And he gets out of the car and just starts throwing up. He's like oh has motion God. sickness or he's car sickness. <laughs> the driver is car sick. The the dri the driverless the carless driver. Yeah, the carless is car driver. Yes, so the driver passenger. Yes. He's like I'm not used oh. to sitting so in the, the back. So the model has to take care of this guy as she drives back to this hotel. These are the kind of things that you and you just have to kind of make them work because you don't really know you you're you're at a loss. How long have you been doing this? 
I've been doing this now for 12 years. 12 years. Do you think there's a time limit for how long somebody can do work like this with this high pressure? Or is it like, this is my temperament and I will, this is, I have found my thing? There are, no, there's definitely a time limit. I think as I get older, it's a pretty physical job. You're I very fit, by the way. Our <laughs> listeners can't <laughs> see you, but <laughs> listeners, he's very fit. Thank you. Yeah, there have been times, I remember one time it was like, we were at the Met Gala and I was actually with, paired up with Andre Leon Talley. And he said, do you have a piece of gum or a mint? I'm about to interview all of these people. And I was like, you know what? I don't, but let me ask around. And no one has gum or a mint. And in my black tuxedo in the middle of like 100 degree weather, I sprint, I don't know, seven blocks through crowds of people who are like watching limo shop just to go to some like bodega to buy some gum and come back. I think a lot of times like I do a lot of executional stuff, but there are definitely times where I'm just a personal assistant and I'm just trying to make someone feel good and mm -hmm. I'm all attention to them. And, you know, everything from like unpacking someone's suitcase in their hotel room with them and laying out all of their stuff, like it can become very personal and hands on. And I think that's what I like about it. There's something like nice about being personal and about getting to know someone, but it also is physical. And, you know, as I get older, it gets harder. Yeah. And it gets exhausting. But the, <laughs> somehow the eye rolling, that part, like the temperament part, I think I've always had. I don't, I don't know. Somehow I've, I've like managed to keep that. You mean the putting up with temperaments? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the patience. I would say patience. Right. I'm thinking about people who travel and want to take it to the next level. And you had talked about concierge being a great resource for you on the ground. Is there anything else that you keep in your back pocket that you know, no matter where you go, this is a person or this is a resource that I can go to to find out information or get something that I need? Like, is there an app or is there, like, is Uber saving your life or, you know, yeah, that kind I mean, of thing? Just going off of the concierge thing, I love to email the concierge like maybe a couple days before I get there with just a random, like banal question. Like, do you guys have a steamer? And it just puts my name in the tip of their like minds. That way when I get there, maybe they remember who I am. And whether it's the receptionist, even your room steward, the concierge, I always tip up front. I like to tip up front because then it kind of just keeps you in their mind. And I continue to like tip, even if it's small amounts of money, just a dollar or two, it kind of, but you value their time and you're showing them that... Yeah, you value their time, but also instead of doing it at the end after you've gotten all the service, it kind of almost give, makes you get better service because they know, oh, now this person's a serious person and or they're going to tip me and maybe, again, it's small bills, but it's it's kind and it's appreciative. And I think they often do a better job or they are more helpful to you. They kind of remember you. Yeah. <laughs> Money does Money talk. Money talks. Money does talk. So I think that I think that's good and that's something that people can take away. If they're just doing this on yeah, and I, I have to say, especially it's not even the concierge. It's like room stewards, crew. It's random people. Those are the people that you ask. It's actually not tour operators or receptionists or concierge. It's like the crew and the people who live there. Those are the people who I ask. Where do you where do you eat? Where do you buy your groceries? Because they actually will tell you the stuff that's not touristy. They'll tell you the stuff that's like where people who may be less fortunate or people who are just like you know, middle class are actually shopping. And I find oftentimes their restaurant recommendations are a lot better for me. Hmm. Yeah. 
on a personal level, maybe not for our luxurious clients, but you know, for me, that's where I get like my best tips. Right. How do you travel when you want it to be for pleasure? And what do you do to counterbalance the work aspect of travel? I love to travel for pleasure. If I have even a long weekend or a couple days off, I will try to book a little trip to get out of town, just to get out of New York and to get out of stress. And I try to take off as much time as possible. And the biggest thing I do is I, I take a yoga retreat or some sort of retreat every year by myself, without my boyfriend, without family. And what I love about a retreat is, is it's completely planned for you. So <laughs> it's the exact opposite. I actually get to experience what maybe other people are experiencing on my shoots. I just show up, you know, someone will bring me to my room. I don't have to plan like where meals are, when meals are, what our schedule is. And I love to just like turn off completely. What I also love about especially like a yoga retreat or kind of a health and wellness retreat is that they tell you to get off your phone. It's almost like taboo to be like checking the internet all the time. Mm. So it really forces me to disconnect. Because even if I were to like lie on a beach on a nice resort that has Wi-Fi, I probably would end up being on Instagram the whole time and then maybe shooting off a work email. And then my coworkers get really annoyed with me because I'm like jumping in, you know. Yeah. So I, I really love completely disconnecting and not making any plans. And I was, I'm going on this cruise um, in, a, in a week, actually. And I love that, too. I know a lot of people think cruising is cheesy. But for me, I just love how planned and organized it is because I feel like I'm the cruise director on Every, work shoots. Uh, yeah. Yes. On, on your whole life, this is what you're doing for yes. people. People go on trips to do the opposite of what they do. If your job is to travel the opposite and plan travel then that means the opposite has to be doing the sort of thing where you don't have to make any decisions. Totally. But I, w I will say the A-type part of me always comes out. So when I do travel, my boyfriend always laughs at me because I make a call sheet, I make a budget, and I do it For exactly your yoga retreats? For everything, what, yes. What is on the call sheet for the <laughs> yoga retreats, Stephen? It's Eat like breakfast. Well, normally it's like all of your pertinent details. So like when... You know, how am I going to get to the airport? So I'm going to take an Uber. Then I like plan out, well, that's going to cost you $80. Dollars. I put it out in an Excel spreadsheet. I calculate them all. And I, I have like budgets for every single travel, you know, for the past, I don't know, I six, totally want to publish this. Yeah, I know. I want, I think that the listeners want to see, see these. these. People often ask me for like recommendations. Oh, where did you stay? Or what did you do? And it's like a really good way to remind myself like, oh, this is the hotel I stayed at. And most people remember what hotel they stayed at, or you can remember a good restaurant, but you don't always remember like, how did you get from the airport to this kind of place? And I was like, oh, I took this shuttle, or I, you, you know, I used booking.com on this time to book this random bed and breakfast and I took this weird tour, and I, I try to record every single little bit of it. Oh, so some of it Amazing. you do on the trip. So not so you have a call sheet beforehand for some of the things, but then you fill in the details I fill afterwards. In, it's it's almost like more like a, a production schedule, yeah. you would say. It's like a, yeah. But it's, some of these things you don't know until you're there and have done them, right? Some of the things I don't know until I've done them, yeah. and some things, or, you know, I, I kind of have like, Maybe I'm traveling from one hotel to another hotel to another hotel. I went to Bali, and I had to get from one. I had three hotels booked, but I had no way of kind of knowing how I was getting around. And I was trying to be as flexible as I could be for a very A-type producer person. Um, yeah, and I fill it in as I go. It's partly so I record how much money I'm spending. Mm -hmm. And then partly just so when I look back, I remember, oh, yeah, that's how I got from here to there. From here to there, yeah. yeah. Do you have... Um... Do you feel like now that you've been traveling so long for work that 
It has changed the way that you travel for leisure. Are there any takeaways? So when I moved to New York, I remember my first job. I think I went to Savannah and we stayed at like a Marriott. And I was like, oh, this is so nice. Like I have two beds in my room. Hmm. I have this whole room to myself. I thought I had to share the room. So I was like mind blown that I didn't even have to share my room. And I remember my boss being like, oh, it was disgusting. Like, we wouldn't need to stay five star. I never needs to stay in, like, the best hotel possible. <laughs> and I just never had – I don't even think I understood that. I didn't understand the kind of levels um, where now I definitely appreciate luxury and comfort. And if <laughs> I can have a night or two like that, I definitely will. But I also understand the value of money. So I'm also very open to staying at a budget hotel, a, like a really charming – you know, B and B. For me, it's all about charm now. So, yeah, like obviously, I love being pampered. I love, I love being taken care of, and I do appreciate, you know, five the finer star things. In yeah, life. definitely finer things in life. Definitely like a nice meal. But I'm also totally open to when I'm when I'm spending my own money. I'm a lot more conscious about what things cost. So, if I don't even bat an eye booking a thousand dollar hotel room for work. You know, for me, if I'm like $150, I'm like, that's enough. I don't need to spend any more. What are some of your just top places at the high end and then at the $1,000 a night and at the $150 a night place? For me, I went to Bali and I got to... So I sometimes when I, sometimes when I go on vacation, I pretend that I'm like producing a shoot or I'm scouting locations. I love to... It's like a really good way of kind of getting a, an insider's tour into mm. homes. Um, you know, or I'll make a production contact there and I'll say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, let's, let's, yeah, let's go scouting. I mean, let's go it see is this all house. research in the end. At the end of the day, totally it could come legitimate. in handy. Totally yes. legitimate. And now I will know. So I remember going and I actually went to the Bulgari Hotel in Bali, which I think is like $7,000 a night. Meanwhile, I'm staying at a $35 a night <laughs> random like hostel in some in the backyard of someone's like house. So I that sorry, that's actually a really random tip that I love to do. But yeah, I mean, I've gone to stay in like really nice, I think nice hotels like the St. Regis, the Four Seasons. Those things I never really they were never part of my world. And now I really do look out for those places when I travel, even if it's just for a cocktail or a meal or to just make it like a nice little introduction or to kind of tour the grounds. That's for me the best way of being able to see something nice without having to pay the like exorbitant room rate. You'll just pay the exorbitant cocktail rate. Right. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> and the cocktail oftentimes is like as expensive as where I like to stay. Right. I don't know. For me, I love finding an off the radar, charming, random place, even if it is in someone's house. I stayed in... I went to Santorini, and one of the nicest places I stayed in was it this woman's, like, I, I can't remember. I, I, I Googled it, or I found it on a travel website, and it was some random three-room space that overlooked the caldera, and she made breakfast for us every morning. It was tiny. It The shower, I'm 5'7", and I had to duck to get, to into, get into the, the shower. shower. <laughs> but it was just like, so beautiful and there was something like charming i don't know there's something just like endearing about staying at a place yeah. like that for me i like don't care about wi-fi or i don't care about a flat screen tv i don't care about a gym in the or a pool it's for me i love to see how the locals live and that's like a big thing and i think maybe that also comes from work travel where you don't see that where you mm. only ever see luxury mm. so it's kind of nice to be able to just live as the locals live 
want to travel with you on the on the down low. Chill. <laughs> you can be his travel. intern. I know. Chill. You can go and be the. You I'll can produce, be his intern. I'll produce um our shoot. I would love to be the intern because the intern and the production assistant, they just get to run for coffee and they're there (laughs) and they get to have like the fun stuff. I always think to myself, actually, hair and makeup. If you want to get into like a really good job, just learn to do hair and makeup because you're there for the shoot. Then you have all the other time. You don't have to organize any cars. You don't have to take care of any of that stuff. You just have to come back and just blow the flyaways back into place. Yes, exactly. Oh, great. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's been a really nice conversation. This was wonderful. Yeah. Thanks. And that's our show. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe. And, you know, leave us a five-star review. A Way to Go is a production of iHeartRadio and Fathom. You can find the details we talked about in the show notes and on our website, fathomaway.com. Don't forget to sign up for our newsletter when you're there. You can get in touch with us anytime at podcast at fathomaway.com. And follow us on all social media at at Fathom Way to Go. Please tag your best travel photos, hashtag travel with Fathom. If you want to really go deep on the travel inspiration, pick up a copy of our book, Travel Anywhere and Avoid Being a Tourist. I'm Geraldine Gerba. And I'm Pavia Rosati. And we'd like to thank our producer, editor, and mixer, Marcy DePina, and our executive producer, Christopher Hasiotis. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Every family has an origin story, one passed down through the generations. Mine happens to be a mystery involving my great-great-grandmother left behind in Sicily. I'm Joe Piazza, and my new podcast will transport you to the gorgeous island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a whodunit for the ages. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. In the 90s, New York detective Louis Scarcella locked up the worst criminals. Putting bad guys away. There's no feeling like it. Then jailhouse lawyers took aim, led by Derek Hamilton. Scarcella took me to the precinct and lied. 20 men eventually walked free. Now... In the Burden podcast, after a decade of silence, Louis Garcella finally tells his story. And so does Derek Hamilton. Listen to The Burden on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.